0: Today's episode is presented by Advanced Recruiting Intelligence, Ari. Visit arirecruiting.com to see how college coaches are using this new technology to be smarter recruiters. And now, it's time for the show. That's right. It's time for the big Season 5 premiere of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, former drive through cashier at the Wendy's in Bakersfield, California, and America's recruiting guru, Dan Tutor. Hello
1: coaches. It is season five of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. I'm Dan Tudor and we have a first ever for our premiere here on season five of the podcast. We have uh, just a really, really interesting uh, simulcast going on and you need to watch it as well as listen to it because what we're going to be talking about with Mark Bowden, the author of Truth and Lies, is body language. So many coaches, so many of you talk to us about How to read an athlete? Are they interested? What are the cues that I should look for? Well, you know what? I'm not the expert in this, but we brought in one of the world's foremost authors and experts on body language to talk to all of you, and we are thrilled that he is joining us now. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here and talking to uh, tens of thousands of college coaches right now on the
0: podcast. Oh, my great pleasure, Dan. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. Thanks for having me here. Appreciate it. Yeah,
1: it's going to be an interesting discussion. So, I want to jump right into it because. Uh, I want to take up, uh, get as much out of this time that we have with you as possible. First of all, I just have to, under, I just have to, to, uh, to know for myself what got you into this topic because we don't grow up as kids saying yes. Yeah, so one day I want to be a body language expert and write best-selling books on the topic. What? How did this become an area of interest for you? And why? And maybe along with that, why is it so important for us to understand and, and be able to read?
0: body language? Yeah, so first of all, my obsession with it was from right Back as a kid, I was obsessed with movement. I mean I, I guess just like much of your audience, uh, you know I love to see movement, I love to see action. I love how that plays out i 'm so fascinated by it the movement, the dance the the intricacies, and the relationships around that and I guess you know further into uh, you know being a student, I was interested in how do you influence and persuade that movement, and therefore influence and persuade the relationships that are going on. Like, how can I get more of what I want via understanding how people are moving together? So I think that's really my obsession. It's about the power of being able to influence and persuade and the love of movement. Hmm. So
1: if we understand that movement, um, you're saying that we're able to maybe shape where that movement goes in the direction that that we wanted to go um, I want to ask you off the top some things that maybe we're doing as as either business professionals coaches people that you would advise what are we doing wrong what are the what are the nonverbal signals that we do without even thinking about it that are going to give off a bad signal to the, the people maybe the prospects that we're talking to the parents that a coach would talk to or just our athletic director, the boss on our campus that we might be trying to negotiate with, what are the mistakes we just almost automatically make without thinking about it?
0: Yeah. So here's what you need to understand first. And this was, was said to me best by actually a podcast that I was on last week uh, with a guy who runs diving schools. So he's training people to dive. And he was saying, you know, for us, body language is really important because if, if we do the behaviors of being cold, it turns out that all our students go down underwater and they're cold as well. Mm. So your your team, your people, your your colleagues around you, they're mirroring you. We mirror the strongest, clearest signal in the room. If you're seeing behaviors that you don't quite like, They're most likely your behaviors just amplified because you're looking out at a number of people who see you as the leader. They see you as an important resource holder, as somebody of power, and they're mirroring that in order to get your position. Hmm. Now, it turns out that sometimes the behaviors that you're showing so strongly are not the ones you'd want to see from the people around you. And so you get upset by that. So look, first first of all, you want to make sure that you send out strong, clear signals of the behaviors that you want to see. Now, if you want to influence and persuade people, you want them to follow you, then open behaviors is probably one of the best things. If you're doing Closed behaviors. Not that there's anything wrong with crossing your arms. It doesn't mean you're closed Often it means you're making a decision or maybe you're just cold But understand if we can see less of you We default to more negatives because less information is not a benefit only more information is a benefit for our instinct to make decisions So let us see more of you and then we're more likely to judge you as being positive and therefore Copy more of these positive behaviors. I hope roundabout way that makes sense to you.
1: No, it does. And just uh, one little quick point of contact for uh, for those listening and not watching. If you go to dantutor.com, go to the blog, and just type in body language, you'll be able to pull up what Mark was just demonstrating by crossing his arms visually. But there's going to be a lot that you're going to see, or he's going to talk about. We're going to talk about visually that if you're listening on the podcast. Um, you'll want to uh, you'll want to make sure to watch uh, the the visual part of this, the video part of this. So, Mark, uh, if those are the things we're doing, if a couple of the things that we do just by mistake, um, what you're seeing, what you seem to be suggesting is that if I'm naturally sort of a quiet thinker, very even tempered, but I want to display more energy, or I want I might want to display a little more excitement that the athlete or the prospect would pick up. If uh, I'm on a Zoom call with them or if they're on, a, on my campus, what you're suggesting is we do need to become a little bit of over-actors. We need to almost uh, mir- uh, to create something that we want mirrored back to us. Is that a fair way to say
0: it? Yeah, absolutely. So perform the behaviors that you're maybe wanting to see out of others. And, and so often people go, well, hang on, aren't I meant to be authentic? Aren't I meant to be me? Mm-hmm you're not able to do any behaviors that you don't already have. That's just not the way the human mind works. We don't learn anything new. We just learn adaptations of what we already had, or we amplify what we already had. Yes, yeah, so right. we don't do new behaviors, we do adaptions or exaggerations of behaviors that we already had. Sometimes they're so adapted or so amplified that for us it looks like a new behavior but it isn't. So if if you need somebody to be excited, you're going to have to do some of the behaviors of excitement. And they may feel a little bit alien because you're not used to doing them on purpose, Mm -hmm. or you're not used to doing them at that amplified level, or you're not used to doing them in this particular scenario. So it feels like an odd behavior. It's still your behavior. You're just choosing when and where you do it in order to get a specific effect.
1: Right. The book that you've authored is called Truth and Lies, What People Are Really Thinking. And that's, you see it in the background if you're watching uh, on the video, we're gonna link to the purchase of that book in the podcast notes, highly recommended. Um, in that, if as we're doing that, if the goal is to find out what people are really thinking, how does oh, being overexcited to create that, that positive mirroring effect how does that also tell us or does it is it a completely separate thing than finding out what they're really thinking because a lot of coaches are trying to figure out what their recruits are thinking as they're going through the decision making process so how are, how do the two match
0: okay so look first of all when you're co-opting somebody onto your team yeah into your group right when you're Um, when you're co-operationalizing them, you're saying, can you do something with me and the rest of my group? The first thing you want to know is whether they can mirror or not. Because if they can't mirror or they can't mirror you, you're not going to be their leader. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I want to be able to see is, can they copy me? Am I copyable for them? In order to be a great leader, you must be followable. If you're not followable, nobody will have you as their leader. So right. step one is can they can they mirror you? When I'm working with clients of mine who I'm often trying to co-opt to my ideas, change their minds, the first thing I do is send them out really strong signals and I see if they mirror them. If they don't mirror them, then I'm thinking, wow, I'm really good at influence and persuasion and, and they're not joining in with me this is going to be this is going to be tough, mm-hmm. or I haven't got somebody who's pro-social, so that's going to be tricky. Uh, or I have somebody who is unable to mirror, and if that's the case, then we've got somebody who works primarily on their own. Always that could be tough. I don't know, you know, how much in sport you need soloists, but my guess is <laughs> now and again maybe, but most of the time no now when it comes to how do you read that body language you're actually looking for changes in people don't look out for specific elements look out for big changes in what happens can you give an example of that okay so so if i'm you know i'm working with you at the moment and and, and um i'm leaning forward and you seem leant forward. Okay. And if I continue this behavior, but I start talking about something and suddenly you lean back a long way. Okay. Or some, then that would be actually quite a big change. You've moved from sitting forward to leaning back. Now, Hmm. what does that mean? Here's what I know is I don't know yet what that means, but that means I've got a a trigger, an indicator to interview, interview you around that. So I might say something when I see you lean back, it's a big enough change. I might stop what I'm saying and I might just say, so I'm curious, what are you thinking right now about what I just said? Mm. So I ask you directly, I frame it. So this is an interview technique where you go, I'm just curious, what are you thinking right now? It's a very direct question. They'll probably go quite quiet for one, two seconds because they're not used to talking about what's going on in their head. Right. Okay, right. But, 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 if you but you're
1: asking that based on the reaction, the visual reaction that you just saw them undertake, which is the link. Absolutely.
0: Because my gamble is, is that there was a change and that change might mean something. And I want to know what does the change mean? Right. And I'm not going to, and I'm going to ask them directly around that. Because quite often when you ask that direct question, people give you a very clear answer. Now, you know, it may seem a bit mysterious and a bit bit obtuse or extreme, but I do suggest that your, your listeners and watchers try this out. The moment you see a big change in somebody, just go, so I'm just curious, how, what are you thinking about what I just said? Or what right. are you thinking at the moment? Or how are you feeling about this? Right. Yeah, thinking, feeling, use those kind of questions. You'll get answers that you didn't imagine you'd get. Right. So,
1: So when I, again, am trying, if if I'm reading uh, body language, um, we're talking about big things, you know, movement back, movement forward. Yeah. Um, And I think a lot of coaches will recognize all of a sudden when somebody leans forward, like they're interested. And so the leaning back thing is great. What about facial expression? Because we say so much unknowingly to ourselves with our faces. I'm just wondering what are some common things that we would look at either positively or negatively in someone that we're trying to Um, talk to about committing, whether that's in business or in here in athletics at the college? Okay.
0: So my guess is again, I mean, there's so much I could talk about here, but I'm going to focus on something very specific because I think it might be most useful is if somebody shows you disdain or disgust, most likely they're never going to be good on your team because Mm -hmm. they're just showing you a signal that they don't agree fundamentally with your values. They right. don't agree with your society. And, and group um, endeavors tend to have some kind of uh, group goal in mind that everybody has to sign up to. Sure, yeah? sure. Right. So here's what, here's what disgust or disdain looks like. It's, it's like imagine you, there's a bad smell. Yeah? Just, yeah, you just did it there. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're just doing it now. Right. That's disgust and disdain. Okay, so uh, anybody just listening to this, go watch the video because you'll see Dan do disgust. (laughs) Right. right, And you'll see how quick that was. That was a micro gesture. It only lasts a few frames of the video, but actually it's big enough and it's in these muscles around the nose and around the top of the mouth that actually, if you know what you're looking out for, you can can see it. Disgust, oh, sorry, disdain will have this side of the mouth just go up. A bit like at the air, just do it there. Right. A bit right. of a bitter taste. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you got a bitter
1: taste. Right. And and those are things that we just do involuntary,
0: right? We're not thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, you won't. Here's the interesting thing, Dan. You won't be able to stop yourself doing it. Mm. If I mention a value or I show you some behavior which isn't um which you and your group Don't agree with, you'll automatically do it, and I'll be able to see it. Right. And I'll be able to think to myself, okay, possibly I've said something or I've done something that um, is against this person's social value system. Right now it's not that that can't be undone it's not that they can never be part of my team because we change value systems quite a lot especially when we go to a college or a university and we move away from our usual home and parents right. and and our, our usual value system you, you all have seen it Dan, you know we 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 often we change groups okay but but what you are going to want to do is go, okay, this I, I did say something that this person doesn't agree with on a social level, and so there's some work to be done if I want them strongly on my team. I hope that makes makes yeah, sense.
1: Yeah, no, perfect sense. And I guess it lends sort of the other side of it is if you're – if I as a coach, uh, I as the listener, I'm talking and I'm looking for these facial cues, body language cues – and you're talking about things that we might not agree with. Are there signals that we involuntarily give where we would, where I, as the coach listening to this prospect, would hear, see them react a certain way that unknowingly to them just told me, wow, they're interested. That really mattered to them. Oh, they are sort of moving in my direction. What are,
0: do you have a couple of those things that would be standard? rules to uh, to look at yeah just really simple stuff just look for nodding of the head that's a universal look for the eyes being wide open yeah look for them taking in that in, that information from you look at open body language acceptance now understand they're under they're maybe under stress and pressure Okay right. so so there's all kinds of reasons why they might close in why they might do what we call turtling which mm-hmm. is you know where they start to cover the vulnerable areas of the body right however if you show open and accepting body language it gives them something to mirror if you're trying to interview them and you're showing closed you know antisocial behavior and you're looking for openness in them Chances are, even if they aren't open, you're never going to see it. Right. Because, right. because you're not showing enough that it would be safe for them to even do those behaviors. Well, and, and
1: to your first point, they might, be, they might then turn to mirroring you by, exactly. by closing out themselves. And we're both, for those listening, we're both sort of folding our arms and leaning back and protecting,
0: like you said. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're seeing behaviors that you're going, I don't think this is the right person for me. Check yourself first. Mm. Just go. Hang on. Wow, how am I exactly. sitting? How am I standing? Could they be mirroring me right? Now? What's the attitude on my face right right now? Let me just check first of all that they're not mirroring me
1: right. Because that's our neural contingency, is what you're saying. Yeah,
0: right. yeah, absolutely. We're, we're designed to mirror each other, especially anybody who's seen as having power or value or right. resource. We're de- designed to unconsciously mirror them
1: for sure. Right. Uh, So, so often in a recruiting situation, it's the coach trying to make the athlete feel comfortable, the family feel comfortable, because like you, to your point, this is almost a negotiation, there is discomfort there, there could be, they just be might be nervous walking onto a campus meeting the coach for the first time, they're around other older uh, athletes, and this is their goal, but it's scary now that they're there, as, as somebody that's considering that school. Um, one of the things I have a, uh, a great friend from from high school in the U.S. that um, went on to earn her doctorate, and she does a lot of body language work um, in the U.S. And one of the things that I remember she talked about at one of our conferences years ago was simple things like when you uh, when you're talking and you show the palm of your hands. It's very it's it's a very inviting thing that you're saying. Look, I have nothing to hide, and you know, I'm not you know, we're not up here We're it's this way. So are there other things that as a coach, we could do very intentionally with some practice or some forethought that would signal we're open, like you're wanted here. And this, there's no reason to be nervous or, or um, you know, apprehensive about the idea of coming and competing for us and and coming to college here.
0: Are there little things that we could do uh, to that end? yeah so so just as your uh, your colleague was saying there open palm gestures, especially open palm gestures at exactly navel height that 's a oh, okay. universal signal of no tools, no weapons, and i 'm vulnerable in the part of my body where my center of gravity is, and you know you 'll know from football if you if you take control of that area of somebody else 's body they 're going wherever you tell them to go, right. right. take control of their shoulders, they can push back like these areas are not very vulnerable. This is vulnerable, and this is where the whole po- bo- body pivots. Right. So, open palm gestures there. Uh, less barriers in front of you. Right. So, can you sit down not across from somebody in antagonism, right. but can you sit down uh, in the complement of them? So, at a at a at a right angle to right. them where you're in association with them, not in opposition to right. them. Can you stand and look at stuff together? Right. So rather than, I don't know, look, you know, say I want to take you and, and demonstrate the, the trophy cabinet. You know, instead of me being this side and me saying, have a look at these, mm-hmm. yeah, can right. we both stand and look at it together? So can we both stand and look at the field together? you side by side with the family rather than let me demonstrate this, where it's I'm on one side of this, and I'm also, almost the barrier you go through to get to that. I mm, know yeah. I'm, I'm with you. So be, be, um, be next to people and with them rather than in opposition right. against them. Again, right. in order to win alignment, how can you be more aligned and more together with them? Right
1: read a study. This is many, many years ago before right now we're having to social distance. This is has the opposite of social distancing, but what it talked about was the power of touch. Yeah. And for instance, what, what they said was that when somebody, whether it was a business negotiation or, or some other thing where we were trying to connect, if as you're walking, you just gently put your, the hand, uh, it's in the middle of their back saying, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go over here or some that's a very, very connected, um, uh, signal that we're giving. Um, and and again, obviously when we're dealing with, um, somebody you haven't met before you want to be careful about, you know, just reaching out and touching them. But at the same time, there's power in that. Um, I just, I'm curious to know, first of all, other, other aspects of that, that a coach might, uh, might play out, um, but also why is that why, why is that such a powerful tool that just we react to subconsciously
0: yeah so let me let me take you through through touch and so you know yeah. when we're all back to absolutely normal you'll <laughs> you'll have this information let me just say there are two types of touch there would be palm touch and finger touch we know that palm touch produces more oxytocin more of the neurochemical that creates the idea of connectedness that you're the same as me. We're part of the same group. That's palm tux, touch. Right. Finger touch uh, depletes your dopamine. So it, it, it causes you to feel aggressive mm. um, and, and you want out of the situation. So I could touch your shoulder with my fingers, yeah, and cause you to feel dislocated from me and and that you want to retreat or I could touch your shoulder with the palm of my hand and Cause you to feel more a part of me now There's different areas that I could touch because I can do palm touch on on top of your shoulder and push down And that's a suppressive gesture if I do it on the side here It's more supportive if I do it at a joint on any joint you will instantly start to do a fight or fight flight reflex right yeah you'll, you'll either become submissive or you'll become aggressive yeah and we know when people are under stress look out for this in some of in some of your, your players or athletes right. that you're talking to Right. notice for example if they fold their arms have they folded their arms and they're and they're they're doing what we call digital flexion over a joint
1: and you're moving your fingers right now on your arm right yeah
0: and i'm also over my my you know what I call you the funny bone here, but anybody who understands that there's the nerves yes. which go right down from the neck, go through there into my hands. If if somebody gets control of this, they pretty much got control of my hands right. as well. If they take control of my wrist, n- my fingers are useless. Right, and so and, in, and instinctively
1: we know this without knowing it is what you're saying, which right. is just
0: a natural reflex. In, instinctively, we would wow. we would react. So so say for example, I want to. I want to um, uh, motivate you by comforting you, yeah? My best way would be to do palm on the side of your shoulder here, not on top of it, the side of the shoulder. But if I go too low and do palm, you know, on your elbow, you're never going to feel comfort from me because I've just controlled your arm. Right, right. It's the same with the small of the back. If I take control, if I pat the small of your back and take control of that, I've got control of your center of gravity. Right. It will right. it will cause uh, you fight or flight.
1: Right. Okay. So your book, Truth and Lies. I'm going to go off of the title, um, and I really, really, really encourage coaches to order the book. And like I said, we will have the link uh, on this in the uh, podcast notes. So I want to go through those two topics as we as we wrap up this discussion because sure. I mean I've told you before we started recording I could I could listen to you for the next three hours and I probably at least for two hours have watched different YouTube videos on you Mark so you're fantastic right. and coaches can do the same. Um, how do we know when when athletes that that coaches are recruiting anybody that we're dealing with uh, is telling us the truth? Are there things that they do that are they don't think about, but they just automatically reveal uh, in most cases what they're doing naturally when they're telling the truth. How, how do we know that?
0: Yeah, okay. So, so look for. So, first of all, what I want to say is that, is that lying is one of our most important social skills, as is telling the truth. Okay? You can't be part of any great team if you're not able to tell the truth and lie. You right. have to be able to do both have we not all gone out in teams right. part of us is going there's no way we can win but we join in with the lie that we can and what yeah. sometimes happens is we go and win wow yeah <laughs> yeah but if 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 I wasn't a good liar you know my whole team would be going okay we're going to do this and I'd go yeah yeah look we're kidding ourselves uh, it's <laughs> Okay, so so lying is an important social skill. So we're not looking, we're not looking for liars because liars aren't good on teams. Truth tellers and liars, pro-social people and social people tell lies and tell the truth. Okay, pro-social people are great team players. Okay, because they want to win as a group. Okay, but uh, if we do want to look out for lies, think about just the natural things that we all do when there's something poisonous around us. So I think, or, 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 bitter or, or acidic. And a lot of poisons that we might eat would be bitter and acidic. And so we do this thing where we get, we get this bitter taste in our mouth. And you see, when I do that, right. my lips compress, Yeah, what we call lip compression. Mm-hmm. But really it comes from the idea of bitter taste back here, poison, the alkaloids, which, okay. which are not, it's either medicine or poison, but who would risk it? Right. So look out for that. And, and yeah. that look out for that for a lie. Yeah. Well, look yeah. out for it in terms of stress or there's okay. something distasteful going okay. on. Okay. It doesn't tell you somebody's lying, but it tells you there's a natural reaction of distaste around something. So somebody no. does this, and I go, so I'm just curious. What's up? That's what <laughs> oh. I do. This is called interrogation. I don't go. I oh, am yeah, the person's lying. Maybe right. They are, maybe right. Not. But
1: you know, you know, something is going on. Your job then is to figure out is that you know
0: what what's going on. Right. 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 Okay. So look out for what's called the tongue jut. Yeah. Which is again how we push out food that we don't like anymore. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so you might say, hey, are you are you on for this strategy for us to win? Are you on on for this? And I go, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And you see that tongue jut right now tongue jut can be the pushing out of bad food or it can be a grooming gesture, which is I'm making, I'm I'm, I'm getting all the stuff off of my lips right. because actually I want to look good. And this is a good idea.
1: Right. But to your point, you have to, it, once you notice it, you have to ask, you know, what are you thinking? How are you feeling? So that that's the takeaway that I'm getting from right. that. You've got to
0: ask, Excuse or you've got to now watch more behaviors and go, I saw one behavior that tells me distaste. Do I see others? Right. Yeah? So I might say, so what do you think of this idea? What do you think of this strategy? Yeah? And again, I'm seeing they might verbally agree, but I want to see, did they do disgust? Right. You know, did, they, did their blink rate go up? So look... When we feel safe, our eyes are wide open. When there's good food, go around a supermarket, yeah, and see what your eyes do when there's good ripe fruit right. in front of them. They open right up, yeah, because because you want to see see more. Okay, right. um, when under stress and pressure, blink rates will go up right. because it's going. Uh, they, there could be an attack at this point. Let's make sure we need our eyes open, but we need points where weapons wouldn't get in there. So look for blink rate to go right. up. Look for protection of the carotid arteries and windpipe. Look for um, turtling, right? You know, which you which you may see in a sing in, in a in a double double shoulder shrug or a single shoulder right. shrug, which is I'm not sure.
1: Um, and I know so much of body language you can tell a lot by what the eyes do, and you sort of reference it really quickly, but just. Can you expand on that a little bit? Just what you know, when we're when we're lying, our eyes do certain things. When we're telling the truth, our eyes do certain things. And for coaches not familiar with that, can you just run through maybe some basics of what to look for when their eyes do something? What it what it means? Because that's again, it's a
0: it's a natural reflex that we almost can't control. Yeah. So so look, w- often when people might be lying, they might be making up a story. <laughs> okay, making up a story. And so there's what your eyes do when it's actually telling me stuff that actually happened. Okay, so if I just ask you, um, if I just, just tell, tell me what you were doing exactly, you know, kind of an hour ago before we spoke. Just tell me what we were doing, what you were doing, sorry. Uh,
1: I was leading a webinar for a lot of coaches and uh, talking with them remotely on, on Zoom.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I saw (laughs) from what I saw on my screen, when you picked up that piece of memory, your eyes went over this way and you grabbed it Mm -hmm. and then you brought it to me. It's not the same for every person in every situation, but that's a fairly good, fairly good baseline. Uh, Tell me what you did uh, uh, yesterday, but you can lie to me if you like, or tell me the truth. I don't mind.
1: Okay. Um, Yesterday I went out and played soccer for two hours and uh, we won. Yeah, I, I
0: don't think you did. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> because because you tried. Now I told you the the information. You you tried to go. Okay, so I'm going to collect the memory from over there. Right. Okay. But oh, I didn't even. I didn't eyes, even do that. I didn't do that intentionally. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you. So it's like you tried, but then you realized ah, I haven't got any memory of it over there, <laughs> and so your eyes started to drift a little more over here. Got it. For me, and so it might be different for different people, but I baselined you in the right.
1: Okay, well, and you're an expert, and that's why people should read your book. But the thing that that are, I think the common situation that coaches run into, and this is, uh, we'll wrap this up here in the next five minutes. But the common thing that that coaches, one of their base struggles is the athlete. We ask as a coach, "So, are you interested? Is this maybe the program that you could see yourself at?" The obvious answer for an athlete is, yeah, I think I could coach. I haven't decided yet, but you're one of the ones that I'm looking at. For the coach, that's one of the most frustrating things at the college level because I don't know if I'm number one on your list or number five on your list. And, of course, you want as many college options as possible, so you're not going to tell me you aren't interested. And I'm, that's where I think like, just what we have been went through would be really helpful for a coach to be able to determine or at least get a sense for is this athlete really drawn or do they just want to keep us on the list because they don't want to tell us no and, and, you know, risk us getting mad at them or just some base emotion like that? Um, So in that situation, what would you advise a coach to do? Because every coach is going to, is going to go through that where the athlete's going to say, yeah, coach, I'm interested. And many
0: times they aren't. So what, So look, yeah. if you ask somebody, am I your number one choice, <laughs> okay, which I guess is kind of the question, sure. am I yeah, your absolutely. number one choice? Right. Chances are they've rehearsed the answer to that, okay? Mm-hmm. And 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 they've rehearsed it so many times, they've done it with other colleges, that they're now a pretty good liar, okay? So so chances are you, you, you're not, I mean, apart from you may see, you know, they may do the tongue jut or right. compression or you could, you could look for some of that. I would ask a different question. Okay. And I would ask a question that's going to evoke a sense of um, uh, imagination and emotion from them. And I I would say to them, so imagine that you've joined the team here and in three years' time, you're having the success that you want Mm -hmm. on our team. Tell me about that. Describe that to me. And I want to see whether they're describing clear pictures of their success in this environment and whether their emotion changes mm. so so are they i want to see are they fully imaginatively get can they can they paint a clear picture of success in this environment yeah and are they actually getting excited and emotional about it right, right. that would be that would be for me a better indicator of is there, is there something within their uh, their creativity and their heart and emotions that's engaged in this? Or are they just um, cognitively engaged in the idea of telling me the answers that that, that they think I want to hear? Does, right. does that make sense, Dan? It
1: does. Perfect sense. Yeah, perfect sense. So last question, and it's an important
0: one for the coaches
1: that are listening. Um, they've been introduced to this topic now. Maybe they had never thought a lot about it before. They're going to get your book, um, and they want to become an expert at this, Mm -hmm. I guess I'm looking for, because a lot of times, uh, you know, people can sort of lightly touch on a topic. It doesn't really affect the net outcomes, but in the study that I've done, this really does put you at almost an unfair advantage. If you really learn it, learn the techniques and learn the science behind it, it almost puts you at an unfair advantage over competition, whether this in athletics or business or just personal relationships, um, so my question is can the average person study this enough and understand it enough to become an expert to where it will really have some significant effects in their in their life professionally
0: yeah because everything can be learned <laughs> like like you know I can see Dan you know your're you're skilled People person because you've managed to interview me and you do this anyway, but but there was no you weren't given that as a gift You learnt that over time. You've got better at it over time. You watched people who were good at it You maybe took some classes or you you explored it yourself. You watched my videos So over that time you've done that look truth and lies it's split into tiny tiny chapters and you just look at a chapter a day and try a chapter a day. And and instead of just reading it, you try and do some of what it says. Think about it. This is a practice, not an intellectual pursuit. You read it, first of all, but then you must practice it. Uh, Rather like, you know, my guess is in the game of football, reading books is probably good. But ultimately, you know, it's not that that's a bad idea but ultimately you've got to get out there and try the tools and techniques to see that intellectually what you read was actually viable and and has an effect so read small chunks and do the small chunks
1: because it's like you said it's there are reactive points that you can actually see the principles play out and absolutely
0: look if you if you've seen any book on on most books on body language and and um, and read stuff on the internet you'll see a lot of pictures of, of, of people, okay, and that doesn't help so much because you forget that people move all the time and the world moves all the time. You know, even if you think somebody's still there, they're still moving at over 500 miles an hour because the planet's spinning. So it's like, it's like everything moves, so we have to keep understanding. We can't learn via words and still pictures. They're the trigger that causes us to go out into the world and actually watch what happens and then join in so don't be the passive observer be the practical communicator that gets with people and tests out these tools the college recruiting weekly podcast is a production of tutor collegiate strategies copyright 2016 through 2020 subscribe on itunes google play or stream us on stitcher and make sure to tell the coaches in your department about the show email the host at dan at dantutor.com and visit the website to access more of the free resources we give to the college coaching community. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.